Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Howdy Warzone listeners, my name is Mike Casper and I wanted to share why I've been a Warzone Patreon going on two years. I've been a member of quite a few other fantasy football Patreons and never had a one-on-one connection like I do with the Warzone host. Memphis has called me to discuss team-specific and rookie draft strategies multiple times, and that's something I've just never experienced anywhere else. Uh, Memphis has also given podcasting advice on a regular basis and supports the individual Patreons in sharing their talents with the group. The group chat is always active. There's no group think there. People are honest and willing to share their opinions. And last, the Patreon leagues are fun and always active in trading. I know one league had over 20 trades in a 24-hour time period. So if that's something you're interested in, sign up for the Patreon. Price stays the same, but the perks being a Patreon keep rising. I'll see you there and look forward to welcoming you to the family. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone D people's dynasty podcast on tonight's show we're jumping back into the rookie content and you know we'll cover a little bit of the news what's going on around the nfl now my very special co-host could not jump on with me tonight he had a work situation uh so i'm not here with the man of the hour or the man with the power jerry sinclair jerry's out but i do have a co-host a guest if you will Now, my co-host, I I like to do the Bruce Buffer intro. In this corner, (laughs) fighting out of the blue corner, this man is a senior writer and ranker for the DLF Fantasy Football. He's a writer for Roto Baller, and he is the intercontinental champion of the world of Dynasty Fantasy Football. He is Bruce Matson. You can follow Bruce on Twitter at Metric Scout. Bruce, welcome to the Dynasty Warzone, my friend. Oh, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. This is exciting. I'm always up for talking rookies, and I've seen this podcast around for a bit, and it's glad to be on here, glad to meet you, and this is a very exciting time. I can't wait to to chop it up here. Well, we're going to chop it up. We're going to talk about your YouTube channel, all of the stuff that that you have going on, why I selected you to kick off Rookie Wide Receiver Talk. Uh, People that have done wide receivers with me in the past have been Shane Hallam, uh, Nick Whalen, now, now it's yourself, but uh, you are the Intercontinental Champion of Dynasty. Why the Intercontinental Champion? What is what is your love of the icy gold? I am actually, uh, as you can tell by my avatar on Twitter, I'm a big Mr. Perfect advocate. Um, really big fan to the point where like when his DVD came out back in like 2008, I had to buy two copies because I was playing it so much. And, um, once, uh, once I got on with DLF, created my Twitter account, the first thing I wanted to do, instead of having like players and and the the symbol, I wanted that IC belt on there. I wanted that on there to to represent. And I see belt when I think about it over the years, my lifetime, that's probably one of the prettiest, belts there is there's a bunch of different types out there but usually that's the one i, I gravitate to and over time at the wwe wof usually the ic belt represents the best worker the best work rate the better wrestler and that's something you want to put into your own work as well so there's actually a lot of lot going on with that 
Yeah, and, and uh, we won't make this a wrestling podcast. I'm an old fan as well. Uh, my favorite IC champion of all time was Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott mm-hmm. Hall. But you're absolutely right. I love that. For those that don't know, you're not a big wrestling fan. That's fine. It's not fine, but it's fine. It's fine that, that <laughs> you're not a big wrestling fan, but he's right. The Intercontinental, now, now the world champion, that's the draw. That's the one everybody comes to see. But the Intercontinental Champion, just so you know, that's what Bruce is. Bruce is the Intercontinental Champion. He's the one we're all here to see. He is going to help us talk uh, talk some wide receivers. Now, I don't have a Mr. Perfect drop. I didn't have time to – so here's the best one. This is my normal my normal co-host on the Fabulous Big Bet podcast. Best I got, man. It's all good. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. I know one thing. Win at all costs. So there you go, a little Ric Flair, best I have. I love uh, Flair. How, how can you not? Um, <laughs> but the best I can do, now we have a YouTube channel. Uh, live tomorrow night, we're doing a Dynasty Warzone get-together. We're going to have Kyle, myself, other members of the Dynasty Warzone, the Fantasy Football Smackdown, uh, the, the Dynasty, um, excuse me, the Daily Destroyer. We're going to be on YouTube, and we're going to be talking the Super Bowl and Super Bowl food. Now, Bruce, I know you have a YouTube channel. Before we get mm-hmm. too far into what we're going to talk about tonight, tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about your YouTube channel and what's cooking currently at the DLF, recently purchased. Yeah. What you so, got, man? I currently got my own YouTube channel that I've been pumping out lately. You can catch it on my Twitter handle pretty much or just search me for a Bruce Matson. I've uh, been trying to drop a video almost every day, if sometimes two a day. Sometimes a little less than that, but it's pretty routine right now going really heavy on the rookies. So wide receivers, running backs, everything like that, pumping out a mock draft or two a week. And those tend to be different. I try to keep them with different themes, whether it's super flex and people are going overboard on quarterbacks or it's super flex and people are fading quarterbacks or people are going overboard on running backs or whatever, trying to give the subscribers a different look. Also going heavy on profiles for these rookies. And then during the season, did a lot of film studies. So film studies for the collegiate guys and also film studies on the guys in the NFL. And then taking what we're seeing on film and then correlating that with the stats, the metrics and stuff, and how we can project that going forward. Some of these people, they they can't see all the games, so they want to see what their fantasy players look like. I try to give that to them. I love it, and I subscribe to Bruce's YouTube channel, and we'll talk about the patron and all the other stuff that we have going on here at the Dynasty Warzone, but if you're listening to this, and and I know maybe you're at work, and if damn sure don't do it if you're driving, but if you're able, hit (laughs) hit pause right now on the podcast. If you're listening and you're not driving a car, operating machinery, hit pause, go into the show notes, you'll see a link for our Dynasty Warzone YouTube channel. While you're there... Once you hit subscribe to our channel, go over to Bruce's. Just search Bruce Matson. It's M-A-T-S-O-N, Bruce Matson, or search Metric Scout, Bruce Matson. You'll find him. Subscribe to his YouTube channel and leave him a thumbs up on a video. Uh, I think that's the wave of the future on YouTube. Shorter content. They now have YouTube shorts. Have you been doing those? I've done a little bit over the summer. I felt like the hit rate wasn't as good compared to TikTok, so I mainly do my shorts on TikTok. Sometimes I'll funnel some of the TikTok vids over to YouTube, but usually I just stick to my longer form 
shorter, longer form videos over on YouTube. Usually they're around six to 10 minutes long. Sometimes I'll have a little longer ones, but usually I try and stay around the 10 minute range. There you go. So go again, YouTube, search Bruce Matson, Metric Scout, subscribe to his channel and stay ahead of the rookie content. Now, Bruce, this is normally uh, where we do a segment called Good People, Bad Tweets. Now, <laughs> we, we don't have... We don't have a good person with a bad tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's Jerry and I's role. Every Wednesday, we try to keep these Twitter streets safe for the dynasty consumer. But uh, what's a tip? Going into rookie season, what's a tip maybe right now that from a, an overall standpoint, just with rookies in general, maybe it's a, a tip on some startup advice. What's something you would throw to the to the dynasty gamer out there as uh, we go into this very busy season of startups and rookies and so much more with going into the rookie drafts doing your studying doing your film work your metric grades and all that stuff i personally over the years just, just from being bit on the hand so many times from what i've learned is i like to paint in broad strokes i do not want to go too far to the right into the film area to where like I create biases. Like I don't want to just like nitpick at somebody's film to the point that I'm calling the top wide receiver bad or something like that. Also, same thing on the metrics portion. Like metrics are good. Tape is good. But once you get too far on the other side of each spectrum, that can really put you down a bad road to where you're tricking yourself up creating biases where really you just need to keep it simple see how these players can win see how they can succeed and just keep it moving and let everything else play out for you i I love it and i'll share one of mine um this is one of my i I take I, i keep my circle of people that i follow because i'm not a uh, a much of a film grinder. I do love. I do love data. I love stats. I love all the above. What I do personally is like Bruce. Like I said, I, I love his work around the wide receiver. Not that he's not good with running backs or tight ends or quarterbacks. Not what I'm saying. I love his wide receiver work. But I, I have Bruce. I, I mentioned earlier Nick Whalen and Shane Hallam and Ray Garvin and, and, and so many more. Uh, Cody Carpentier, another guy. Don't want don't want to leave him out. And then I cross reference those guys, my dynasty go-tos with the Todd McShays, the Daniel Jeremiah's, the Lance Zerlines, the, the Greg Cosell. Greg Cosell is the king of the film grinders, and I cross-reference. That's how I wound up, in, as the loyal listeners of the show know, yeah. that's how I wound up on Javante Williams so hard. It's like, and it's, he's a great example. So last year, a lot of people loved Javante Williams coming out of North Carolina. I wasn't sold. I was, I was much more of a Najee Harris guy, and I still am. But it's like, wait a second. PFF has him as their number one rated rookie running back in this class. Okay, that, that's got my attention. Then our own Dallas Hyder was a big fan of Michael Carter and Devontae Williams. And then other people, Ray Garvin, a lot of people. And then Greg Cosell, that was the nail in the coffin. It sealed the deal. It's like, wait a second. I've got the very, even though they're kind of their own proprietary metrics, I've got PFF ranking this guy super high. I've got a member of our own team ranking him super high, a guy that I super respect and Ray Garvin ranking him super high, and now the king of the film grinders loves him? What's not to like? Check, check, check. Then he gets a sweet landing spot. 
How do I not love Javante Williams? So that would be my big tip of the, the dynasty season. Cross-reference it, not just amongst all the fantasy people. It's good to get multiple opinions, and, and maybe there's going to be a guy that uh, that Bruce likes that I don't, or vice versa, or a guy that we both like. Don't be afraid to cross-check us, but don't be afraid to cross-check us with different genres of football. Is that fair, Bruce? Yeah, that's definitely a smart move to do, to cross-reference yourself. also keeps you honest. And also, like, there's just different viewpoints to where that you can learn something from. And, like, say another analyst views this player in a certain light, that player hits, and you did not see that. You can use that for your scouting going forward, going into next year, 2023, 24, 24, whatever. It's just something that you can just build upon for your portfolio. Yep, and that's one thing as Jerry and I start rolling out our own analysis. That is our rule in 2022. We can give you as many reasons as we like a player and why we're high on a player, but we have to give you at least one reason why they make us nervous because no prospect is bulletproof. I think especially in this class more than any, but you know, it's always classes like this that we think are going to kind of be odd and down that usually wind up producing some real dynasty gems. Now we're going to jump into the same thing we did last year. This was very well received and it's very unique to the dynasty wars and we call it five good rookie questions. But before we do that now, Bruce is the king, the originator uh, I'm going to give honorable mention to my good friend, Izzy Elkafas of the Dynasty Trade Calculator. But Bruce is the OG supporter of one Rashad <laughs> Bateman. Oh, now, yeah. now you, you remain extremely <laughs> bullish on Mr. Bateman. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. hit you with a, uh, with, with a, with a question early. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you see Bateman's career trending in 2022? And uh, well, maybe we'll get into a little bit early. Who is your Rashad Bateman? Like, Maybe not, maybe not predicting his future, but just the guy that you're already in love with going into this rookie, this rookie class. Um, I feel like his season next year, I think it's going to come to a better start. Obviously, because hopefully he won't be injured. I feel like just from everything I've graded from the tape, from previous metrics and everything, and. Judging the offense, I feel like he'll probably be more like a volatile wide receiver too. I think he'll have his up and down moments. And I think the volume of the offense is really going to really dictate what this team's going to do, especially if because of the start of the season for the Ravens, they were pumping it downfield a lot more, a lot more air yards in the offense back half of the season. Quarterbacks getting injured, slowing things down, running a little bit more. We had a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mr. Hyde scenario. With that being said, if we fall in the middle there, uh, I, I see some volatile wide receiver two action, some wide receiver three weeks, maybe one pump-up week, one or two pump-up weeks as a wide receiver one, but some clear-cut volatile wide receiver two action when you average everything out for a season next year. All right, and then who's the guy you're already in love with? I'm going to hit you with the five questions I sent you. I promise we are going to cover those questions. But who is a guy that you're already uh, having those Rashad Bateman vibes on? That is David Bell, wide receiver for Purdue. And really, he's 
I love it. Prospect profile-wise, they're very similar. They're both like the smaller Big Ten schools, Minnesota, Purdue, early breakout ages. Both of them broke out in college at age 18. Both of them have been productive from a market share standpoint from age 18 to age 19 to age 20 to when they came out for the draft. Um, 2020, both of them had a weird COVID year statistically. Rashad Bateman's Counting stats looked low in 2020, but when you average them out met- from a ownership standpoint, they were good. Same with David Bells. He had over a 30% market share, even though the counting stats looked low. A lot of people were are doubting Bells' athleticism, even though he, there are moments where people pegged him at running past 20 miles per hour. Uh, within like four and a half seconds or whatever. Rashad Bateman, same way, but both of them, have very similar skill sets too. Both of them can track the ball well. Both are pretty fluid route runners. Actually, they can sell their routes. They got swift feet. They're they're very similar in, in how they play the game, but a little bit different as well. Yeah, I, I like David Bell quite a bit. I remember when they played Michigan State. I live in Indiana, so I'm about 60, 65 miles an hour, or miles an hour, sixty five miles away from the Purdue campus. And I remember sitting in a restaurant having dinner that night with my wife and just watching David Bell go to work. Uh, I think he had 218 yards, if I remember right, in that game. It was just, it was just gross. And, you know, again, this kind of goes back to the conversation we were having earlier. Don't, don't let the, the combine be the end all be all. It's just another data point along the way. And the NFL is going to tell us what they think about these guys. Everywhere I've seen David Bell go, uh, I see David Bell mocked in the the mid-40s, somewhere around a mid-wide receiver two, not wide receiver two, a mid-round wide receiver in the second round, a top 45 pick. And that would be in a very similar range to where uh, a little bit lower than where the Bengals took T. Higgins. They took him at the top of the second. The Colts took... Uh, Michael Pittman in that 35 to 40 range. So it wouldn't be too far off from that. So similar draft capital to those guys. Can't wait to see him test at the combine and can't wait to see another Big Ten wide receiver potentially break out in the NFL. So here, here they are, Bruce. We, we, we've, we've talked a little wrestling. We've talked a little bit. Uh, maybe we'll talk the gym. We'll talk the gym at the end. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but you're a wide receiver guy. You're my wide receiver guy this year. So we're going to start you with five good rookie questions. Give us a rookie that you will not be leaving rookie drafts without. Where do you think you'll get this rookie in drafts, and where do you think he'll go? So you're going to get him in what round? Maybe you can give us a one QB or a super flex or both. Well, I David Bell pegged for this question, and the value here, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, a lot of them for super flex, and I know I've – from historical standpoints, we're going to get a running back that gets overdrafted, lands in a spot that people love. They're going to get pumped up. I feel like in Superflex, I'm going to be getting David Bell. He's going to be falling around 201, 202 range. He's going to fall a little later than what we anticipate him to be, maybe 112-ish. But I'm willing to pay a little bit more than that anyways, 111, 110. I'm looking to get him in the back half of the first round. And I'm looking to get him in a lot of leagues, especially those leagues that I came away feeling good with um, winning it or going deep in the playoffs where I have those late spots. That David Bell's my prime target right there. I'm looking for him to get second round draft capital in the actual draft. I'm looking for that to boost his value a little bit. And I like his value there in Superflex. I think in one QB, 
um, just by gauging the market at the highest, probably a mid first round pick, but probably around the latter part of the first round too. There's going to be a running back or two who jumps up the boards, who gets drafted in the top 100. There's a lot of these ancillary jabroni running backs who are just running around at like, like 220 range. One of these teams are going to pull a trigger on one of those. Fancy community is going to fall in love with that, and that's going to dilute Bells and maybe another wide receiver like Jamison Williams stock down a little bit, and I want to capitalize on that discount. I love it, and uh, I, I, you don't always want to compare everything to the outlier. Maybe that could have been our good person bad tweet. Everything mm-hmm. I see is this, like, you know, we're not talking quarterbacks today. They're like, well, Malik Willow, though, we can Josh Allen. Stop. Mm-hmm. Just, just take a deep breath. Stop. Josh Allen was the one-off. So I don't want to be the guy who finds like the anomaly of the anomaly and say that, well, you don't have to be a great, a great wide receiver or a great athlete to be a great wide receiver. I mean, Cooper Cup, almost identical size to David Bell, by the way. Cooper Tuck, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, 6'2", 204. David Bell listed as 6'2", 205. That's not to say that that David Bell is going to be Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup, if you look at his player profiler card, it ain't good. Four six two four four six two forty, a a ninety point eight speed score. That's the thirty ninth percentile. He has one of the worst burst scores you'll ever see. And all the dude does is put up fantasy football points. I can't wait to see where David Bell goes in this draft. Uh, I was looking at a mock draft just a minute ago that had him going 47 overall. So that's that's about that range that that we thought he would go. 47 overall would put him to the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Now, I don't know how I love David Bell as a, as a complimentary piece with Michael Pittman, but mm-hmm. it's not the – the Colts need weapons. Just, just, just say that. So keep him in state. Maybe that's a good one. So that's your guy. Um, I think I think he's going to wind up having. I don't want to co- compare him apples to apples, but from a wide receiver and where I think he'll go in mock drafts is going to be in that Elijah Moore range, and I mm-hmm. love that. I I, yeah. I, abso- I absolutely love that because Elijah Moore, depending if it was super flex or one QB, he was going in that one ten to two oh five range in a mm-hmm. super flex and a one QB a little bit higher, obviously. And I would love to get him there. I might trade back in into a draft and get him. So I, I, I have no issue with, with that pick. Um, the, the next rookie is always a tough question because you don't want to put guys down. But give me the rookie that you will not be drafting in rookie drafts. Uh, maybe you just feel like he'll go too high. And why do you feel like he'll be a pass? The rookie that I get a bad feeling about every time I'm doing a mock draft right now is John Mechie from Alabama. And honestly, the, the production really wasn't there for me. I feel like he's going to get some decent draft capital. I saw him mocked in the second round um, to the Falcons in, in an ESPN mock the other day. I, I feel like he's probably going to be somewhere around there, maybe third roundish. It, it's hard to tell, especially with the ACL baked, baked into his value right now. But I feel like he did not do enough at Alabama to really make me want to buy him in Dynasty this year, make me want to – draft him I feel like guys like Wandell Robinson or guys I want to shoot for or maybe that's where I want to go with some of those ancillary running backs or pivot to another position but I, I'm not I don't feel very safe there's some good things in his profile when, when you're looking at it, at the tape like he is a little bit crafty in route running he can separate a little bit but I feel like it would have been best for him 
to come back for another season at Alabama to really build upon his stock and portfolio. Um, th- this dra- this draft of wide receivers here, it- it's it's a pretty good stack of guys, and I feel like another year of seasoning, he probably would have been better with the 2023 class, and maybe if he could have produced a little bit more. Another thing that I'm skeptical on is he allowed Jamison Williams to come in there at Alabama and steal a show. Jamison Williams went off, became the guy, and John Mechie was that was that was supposed to be his year. This was supposed to be his year to blow up. Jamison Williams said, "Sorry, it's my house now," and he blew up. Yeah, and I was just looking. Um, I use Tankathon. It's easy. It's a uh, very mobile friendly on the phone. Uh, their mock drafting has him going uh, in the mid third, eighty sixth overall. Mm-hmm. And they have him as the twelfth wide receiver off of the board. Does that feel fair to you? That feels fair to me. Wide receiver twelve off the board. When it comes to rookie drafts, though, really depends on what's there. I feel like I'm pivoting the running backs at that point, or pivoting more, depending on the on the format, whether super flex or one QB. I might be pivoting the quarterback as well. Maybe even yeah, he, going after Trey McBride if he's falling. Sure. He, he, he feels like the, the guy that could get overdrafted based on the fact that he went to Alabama and if mm-hmm. he lands in what's perceived to be a very good spot, you know, mm-hmm. if he were to land in a, a Las Vegas, a team that we know needs a wide receiver. If he were to land with the Colts, again, a team that needs a wide receiver, just anywhere where Atlanta, you mentioned, uh, you saw him mocked to Atlanta the other day. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw the same mock draft. If he winds up on a quote-unquote perceived good landing spot, I think he'll get overdrafted in in mock drafts. Um, I don't have a problem with wide receiver 12. Now, I'll I'll be honest, I don't want to, you know, downplay the landing spot, but that could be a tiebreaker for me with a lot of guys in this this range, like Romeo Dobes. Dobes, am I pronouncing that correctly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Wandell Robinson, Justin Ross. There's a lot of guys in that range. That mm-hmm. landing spot and NFL draft capital could make the difference. But I'm with you. Where these guys are going to go off the board in rookie drafts in one QB, you're talking the back of the second round. I'm, go- I'm going to reach on a running back there. Mm-hmm. Because if the, you know, you think about last year, you had Elijah Mitchell. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, uh, the Elijah Moore, uh, the Elijah that went to the Bears. Was, oh, um, drawing um, a blank. Oh, man. Um, Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Moore. I'm drawing a blank too. Um, yeah, but, but um, we know who we're talking about. He was. Those mm-hmm. are the kind of guys that if, if they hit, you you tend to get more value, and it tends to be more flippable early. Mm-hmm. That's going to drive me crazy. I'll, I'll look it up the, while while we're uh, we're getting into the next question. But yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to wind up with with much much Mechie either. Try saying that three times fast. Much, much Mechie. Mechie. Say that three times <laughs> fast. As, much uh, Mechie. Yeah, not, not not as easy as it sounds. So, who's the most overrated rookie in this class? Can you tell us uh, how you feel he's overrated and uh, why you're a little bit lower on this player than consensus? Yeah, it, it's more of a recency thing right now. I'm probably going to forget about him mostly here in the next couple of weeks, but this stems from the Senior Bowl. And not really overrated. There's some good things in his – in his tape, that's pretty cool. He's athletic. He can break off routes. But it's Christian Watson 
from North Dakota State. He's kind of an older prospect. Um, took him till what? He's age 20 until he got his first touchdown at North, North Dakota State. Um, they played that one game in 2020 during the COVID year. And he had these opportunities for him to transfer out, to go to another school to prove himself. He never did that. that that's very questionable here. Like, why wouldn't you go? Especially once Trey Lance is out of there, you might want to just go somewhere else to see if you can improve your draft capital. Um, his productions uh, metrics have been very off and on throughout his career. Um, he, he broke out at age, what was that? Broke out at age 20 with a 25% market share. Um, then, um, 22 this year, 35.35% market share and really was a late bloomer started a little late at age 19. But the thing is, I don't know if the draft capital is going to be there either. So if he slides in the draft, since he's a smaller school guy, then that might be something to, to watch. If he falls in rookie drafts, he may be just a late round flyer, but when you're gauging the buzz from the senior bowl, He's just a player to watch out for because there's a lot of question marks in his profile. Did he win a senior bowl? Yes. Did he Did he look good? Yes. But is there red flags that you need to cross-reference what we're seeing with? Yes, there definitely is. And um, you just got to be on the lookout for that. Yeah, he, he's a big dude. 6'4", 211, like you said. Good senior bowl. Um I, he's another guy that when I get to certain guys, I, I, I put guys like him in a tier and I wait for the NFL to tell me what they actually think. We mm-hmm. can read, we can read all of the, all of the mock drafts. I know Cody Carpentier, I mentioned him earlier from Roto Underworld, does a great job with mocks over there as well. And he curates, he goes through and curates where a lot of these guys are projected to get drafted. So based on where he gets drafted, when he gets drafted, I could see him, and and I could see why you think he would be a little overrated for different reasons. He's starting to have that Brian Edwards feel to him. Now, nobody wanted Brian Edwards to be a bigger thing than me. I I, I was convinced mm-hmm. this guy could be. A, it was a great. It was a great situation. He was going to outshine Hunter Renfro, and he was going to outshine Henry Ruggs, and. He's had every opportunity, especially this year with Darren Waller missing a lot of games, and he just didn't seize that opportunity. So I'm mm-hmm. not ready to cast that dispersion yet on Christian Watson, but he was someone I'll definitely keep an eye on, and I definitely want to see true NFL combine metrics before I make any decisions. A uh, couple more questions. We'll get you out of here. Um, if someone's overrated, someone has to be underrated. Who is the most underrated rookie in this class? And uh, can you tell me why you feel like uh, this guy's underrated? I feel like Justin Ross is a very underrated wide receiver this year. This dude broke out at age 18 with a 23.89% market share of Clemson's offensive passing production. There's only three wide receivers. When you're talking about the main wide receivers, like the main 20 or so, have broken out at age 18. Not many of them have done that. And he did this at Clemson. He was productive at age 19. And then the year after that, he had the the spinal injury, so he had to sit out. Then he came back this year. And although he didn't look like the best wide receiver in in college football, 
uh, he was dealing with that wonky Clemson offense that it was just very poor, but was still able to produce some. Had a 22.37% market share of his team's passing production this year. And the thing about him, when you go to the tape, he's a very skilled route runner. Like, he can stop on a dime. He uses head fakes, head movements to sell his routes. And he does a good job at using his eyes, using his head and shoulders to, to contortion himself to sell that route to make that cornerback believe that he's going one way when he's going another, allow him to create separation. He's not the most quick twitchy guy, but he also has ball skills. He also has a good good reach when it when the ball's in the air, good timing, and really good good footwork as well. Um, this is a player that could surprise us, especially if he goes in a good situation, gets opportunity. And, uh, again, he may be just getting back into his old form after having to sit out a whole year too. So we may get another better version of him in 2022, 2023 going forward as he – as the wheels start to grease back up for him. A guy that I, I'm definitely interested to see where he lands. I, I think his range of outcome is tremendously wide. I could see this guy being one of the best wide receivers in the class and just absolutely fading into obscurity. Oh my God. Um, he was a Dion Kane. He could be Dion Kane and he yeah. could be, he, he, he could be a, a wide receiver one. Like a lot of guys from Clemson have been, I mean, a thousand yards as a true freshman, with nine touchdowns um th- then he followed that up with 865 yards and, and eight then he had then he had the injury plague season and then this year the offense was bad only played 10 games three touchdowns but, but you mentioned the offense there was a lot of struggles in Clemson this year coming off of not having uh Mr. Trevor Lawrence and, and that's a team I would be interested to see if uh, please don't get it twisted, ladies and gentlemen. I don't. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to go full Joe Burrow and say, "Hey, we need to draft this guy in the in the in the first round." But uh, Jacksonville has a ton, just an absolute ton of picks. As I'm looking at it right now, it looks like they have 11 total picks, and I can see we're somewhere in that 104 overall pick, or maybe that 156. Maybe if Ross is still there. Maybe he convinces the, uh, the the Jacksonville brass to to reach out and maybe get him on the team. I think that's the best case scenario for him. But he's a guy that I will certainly keep an eye on because of the early breakout age. Another guy that could fill those Brian Edwards shoes as a super early breakout, as a very young guy, and uh, th- then did not quite, I guess, finish as strong as he started and had an injury. So a lot of similarities. And he's in a state that ends in Carolina, so you got that going for you. <laughs> so, so here's the last one. This is the tough one. Now we named this after one of Jerry and I's favorite players. One of our favorite players of all time is James Robinson. He's a small school guy that our good friend Shane Hallam uh, in 2019 told us to keep an eye out for, and he had a great 2020. Uh, but give us a James Robinson esque wide receiver someone that most of us have never heard of that you've ground some tape on that you've got some data on and uh, you'll be looking to nab because he's under the radar. Yeah, this guy, I have a peg maybe as a UDFA, maybe seven, six round guy and Thomas Hennigan from app state. Um, very interesting prospect profile for this dude. He's like six foot one, about 200 to 210. I will see 
when pro days happen or combine, if he makes it there, if he where he weighs in at. But when you gauge the pictures, when you gauge the tape, he, he does have some thickness to his frame. An interesting statistical statistical career there at App State. Broke out at age 19 with a 20% market share and then had a dip in his production because they moved him more to the slot, but um, started to become more of a deep threat later in his career. Um, but was productive, a 27% market share during his junior season, 27% market share during his first senior season during the COVID year, and came back this year to play that final year to build up on his stock, had a 23% market share. And when you watch the tape, he's very aggressive when the ball's in the air, has the my ball mentality. And then after he gets tackled, he's not afraid just to get up and, and talk smack in that DB's face. He's very aggressive i like that he has decent change of direction skills very fluid in his movement long speed's not really there he's not going to wow you with a 4340 low 4440 but uh, i you shouldn't expect that with all wide receivers either route running looks like it's pretty decent he's talking about how he can run the full route tree in his interviews and i look for him to be a guy that might bounce around the league a little bit get his opportunity sometime somewhere down the line if he can grasp it if, if the ball falls his way he might be able to stick somewhere but there's just some specs in here with his profile with what we see on tape that that could allow him to the surprise us somewhere down the line uh, I was looking I pulled up his profile as you were giving us that breakdown six foot tall 220. That's that's thick. That's with two C's. That's a, that's a lot of man because we were talking about Justin Ross and uh, Christian Watson just a second ago. Both of these guys are in that 6'3", six, 6'4", six, range, and they're both 2'10". This mm-hmm. guy's a full three to four inches shorter than those guys and, you know, got 10 pounds on him. So a very sturdy guy. Uh, I, I love watching good route runner someone I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I literally wrote down the name Jerry and I have always called those type of things here on the show writer downers when someone gives us a name that we've never heard before now uh, you'll have to when we when we get done with the podcast you'll have to send me a link to watch some of some of your tape I can go over to your YouTube channel and when you mm-hmm. search Bruce Matson, I've done it guys you go there and it says right there metric scout it's a blue circle it's got a picture of a uh, a human head profiling to the <laughs> left, and it's it's blue and yellow. And when you go there, you go right here, and you go, listen, listen. See, that was me subscribing. See, technically, I had unsubscribed earlier while he was, you know, answering her question, but I wanted to do that for effect. So you know what to do when you go to YouTube. You, you subscribe to Bruce's YouTube channel. Well, listen, I, I got one more thing to ask you. We'll get you wrapped up here. Uh, what's another piece of advice you would give someone during rookie season? Um, let's talk about this wide receiver class. Um, one thing I'm thinking about here as my overall strategy for this wide receiver class is it's very comparable to what I thought of the previous ones. And as I look at it from, from a macro standpoint, I want to spray and pray on these wide receivers naturally we all are. We're going to be wrong with some of these players, but it, but there's a lot of good wide receivers in this class, especially around that first round range, early second round range. And I'm going to be trying to get a mixed bag of a lot of them, whether it's Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, Wondell Robinson, 
some of the guys I previously mentioned, Trey, um, Justin Ross. And then sometimes when I'm doing that, I'll draft guys I don't like. I'll draft a John Mechie, maybe get that one share just sitting there just in case as a hedge because uh, we're all in a bunch of leagues. If you're listening to our podcast, watching our videos right now, February 8th, you're into Dynasty. You're probably going to be in a lot of rookie drafts. This is a class that has a lot of talent, and it's a lot of diverse talent. You got some separators. You got some big-bodied guys. You got the downfield wide receivers. You got a little bit of everything. Not all of them are going to hit. A lot of them are probably going to do something for us. They're all going to hit at different times, kind of like fireworks going off. I kind of want a little bit of everything. That's my strategy for the wide receivers in this class is I'm going to be playing Call of Duty. I'm going to have the P90, and I'm going to keep the trigger pulled down and just spraying and praying on wide receivers. There you go. The, The big thing I took away from that was diversify. Don't lock in. There's not going to be one wide receiver, regardless of round, that you just absolutely have to have in every single league. You you want to walk out with a little bit of Traylon Burks. You want to walk out with some David Bell. Uh, George Pickens, we didn't spend much time tonight on George Pickens. What's your thoughts on Pickens real quick while, I, while I've got his – like he's one of the bigger names we didn't mention. Anything on Pickens or like a Jahan Dotson? I like George Pickens a lot. I, I feel like if he didn't have the ACL th- this year and played a full season and has been doing everything he was previously doing, I think he'd be consistent. Consensus- it'd be considered in the top three amongst pretty much the whole industry, top three, top four area. We kind of got a got lot of guys that could be in the mix there. You can even throw David Bell up in there. Um, Jahan Dotson's very interesting. Um, him leaving early at the senior bowl, getting there, and then leaving early, I saw a tweet. I forget who sent that out, but someone said that he was going to be like being listed at five foot nine instead of what um, he was listed at, or like five ten, five eleven range. He's listed as five eleven. Yeah, the, the the draft report I'm looking at said five eleven, one eighty two. Yeah, um, I heard that rumor. I don't know if that's true or not. That I've been thinking about that a lot. There's some things I do like about his about his game, though. I like how he can extend overhead, bring in grabs. Um, had some production at Penn State. I feel like he has been falling in around the mid-second round in drafts. I like him better than John Mechie. I'd be drafting him over John Mechie. So really depends on how the NFL likes him because he's getting mocked in the first round a good bit, um, a lot of drafts. He's also probably going to fall in the second round a lot of mocks as well. So really depends on how the NFL likes him. And I imagine if the NFL does like him, we're going to see him get a boost in value. But really, if he's going cheap in ADP, I'm going to buy some of them. If he's getting overdrafted, like I'm never going to be drafting him ahead of David Bell or anybody like that. So if he gets overdrafted from that standpoint, then I'm going to be staying away from him. All right, I got one one last question. I promise I'll, 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 I'll stop. It's all these guys, because we know both the wide receivers at Ohio State were good. We're talking Olave and Garrett Wilson. But let's spend just a second talking about Drake London. He's a guy okay. that I'm in, I'm super intrigued by. I see him as the wide receiver. Depends on where you get your information. I've seen him as high as two. I don't want to say Traylon Burks is the consensus wide receiver one in the class, but he's the one I see at the wide receiver one overall in the class the most. I'll say it that way. But let's talk about Drake London. Forget the injuries for a second. Let's just talk about his style of play. It feels like that old school 6'4", big body, Des Bryant, box him out, rebounding, 
jump ball, wide receiver. It just feels like that's a little bit atypical of the way the NFL game is played now. Is that the Mm -hmm. kind of game that you think he plays, and how do you think he translates to the NFL and then today's NFL? So a lot of people are comparing him to like a Mike Evans-esque wide receiver, which is true. He gets downfield, boxes out dudes, and high points the ball. Um, former basketball player in that standpoint. Um, he's what, like six foot five, or at least listed at that part. part. But um, when you watch his tape and you start watching him run some routes, um, break, make some breaks and whatnot, he's very fluid for his size. He moves laterally pretty good for a six foot five guy. Uh, I'm not saying he's a separator like Keenan Allen or anything, but for his size and, ha- and from a movement standpoint, he moves laterally pretty well. I feel like since the NFL nowadays, what wide receiver set, three wide receiver sets about 80% of the time. And considering you can have different types of wide receivers in there, in those three wide receiver sets, I, I feel like there's a spot for him. I feel like as a, a downfield guy, air yards guy for fantasy, because he's going to be a guy considering he gets downfield a lot. He's going to get a lot of those air yards, which is going to give him a lot of opportunities for fantasy points um especially for them splash weeks um drake london is is got a good portfolio for that well that's good to hear and i'm going to give a plug to a podcast i don't know if you ever listen or not colin cowherd has started his own podcast channel called the volume and earlier in the week he had an interview with calvin johnson uh the former detroit lions great who was a big man in his own right i believe he was six five if i remember correctly and he asked him if, you know, how he would want to play in today's NFL. And he said that he would have liked to have played more in the slot. And I, I found that fascinating that a guy that mm-hmm. big would want to play in the slot. And it got me thinking, that's where this question about Drake London came from. It's like, well, if Calvin Johnson could have done it, I mean, I'm not saying Drake London's Calvin Johnson. He's got a lot of uh, steps to take in his career to even be considered that good. But it just got me thinking, you know, in the right offense – could he be that guy? He, he's certainly an intriguing prospect. And I want to answer one of uh, our biggest supporters here on the show, Mike Kenny. He said, where's the best rookie landing spot? I'll give you a minute to think on that, Bruce. I'll tell you, for me personally, I, I think the best rookie landing spot right now would be L.A. with the Chargers, especially, hey. if, they, especially if they let Mike Williams walk in free agency. Mm-hmm. And he winds up like, you know, you talk about a great spot for, for Drake London. He just comes right in and plugs right into the Mike Williams role. And, and I know your first thought by, might be, but Memphis, Mike Williams has not excelled in that role. That's kind of true, but part of his issue has been injuries. If Mike mm-hmm. Williams could string together an entire healthy season, he could have had a monster wide receiver one season uh, in L.A. So I think the Chargers would be a spot that I would be keeping an eye on. This is kind of a guess because it's a huge wide receiver free agent class. I'm not sure what the Packers are going to do with Devontae Adams. you got Chris Godwin. you got Juju. And those are just the guys that, that come to the immediate top of my head. Do you have a landing spot today that you would uh, point out as a, as a great spot for, for a rookie to land? So first thing that went through my head, and I, I kind of smiled when you said it. I, I was thinking the Chargers initially. So I'm going to pivot off that to give the, the, the listeners something else. I think – 
Dallas is an underrated, tricky landing spot. Amari Cooper's contract's going to be up here soon. He's getting older. Cedric Wilson's pegged as a free agent. Cowboys are fourth worst in the cap right now. They're not super bad under it. They can probably um, shuffle some contracts around to get under the cap, but they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. He's probably going to test the waters. All these guys should be testing the market to maximize their contracts, whether they come back and resign. That's a different question, but this team's going to have to make some decisions this year. They're going to have to make some decisions next year. They, they need to share up the offensive line and stuff like that. But wide receiver in the future, especially wide receiver two and wide receiver three, are positions where they might want to be looking at. Dak has a has a short sample size in, what, 2020 before he hurt himself, slinging the rock a little bit. They like to mix it up with the run, though. But this could be a sneaky landing spot for a wide receiver that many people aren't thinking about, especially through the draft. That's the cheapest way for them to get wide receiver talent, considering they're handcuffed by the cap. And I'm going to throw out one more that I thought of, just because what I'm looking for when I'm saying a good landing spot, I'm looking for a, 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 a cross-reference of quarterback talent and need. And I would tell you, be be on the lookout for anyone that the the Jacksonville Jaguars draft either at they have the first pick of the second round, the first mm-hmm. pick of the third round, and the 70th overall pick. They have four picks inside the top 70. If they use a 33, the first pick of the second round, on a wide receiver, we're talking T. Higgins, Michael Pittman type draft capital. That's a commitment. And that that's the de facto number one in Jacksonville would be a spot because I do believe in Trevor Lawrence. I like the hiring of Doug Peterson there. We'll see how it, how it shakes out in Jacksonville. But uh, I want to thank you for stopping by, man. You, you are, you've been a great guest. You bailed me out with Jerry having to work late. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about the gym for just one second. Now you're a gym oh, yeah. guy. Um, yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're always, you know, if you're not following Bruce on Twitter, again, you got to follow at metric scout. He's always posting like healthy treats, like uh, protein infused ice cream and a lot of random goodness. What's your go to cheat meal? What's your go to cheat? My go to cheat. Well, the ice cream's my main one, and my other main one. A lot of people do it. It's pretty pretty simple, but I like to mix whey protein into my oats along with sugar free maple syrups, a little bit of Splenda, and some cinnamon. Um, I always got a lot of protein hanging around the house, so I got different flavors. Another thing I like to do is um, you got to have a really good skillet for this, that good nonstick, is I like to use egg whites and use that to make a tortilla, and then uh, I'll make tortilla with the egg whites. Or I'll use the egg whites, and I'll get the lowest calorie pizza sauce you can get. You just look at the canisters. They're usually around like – 30 calories per tablespoon. You get some non-fat mozzarella, some turkey, pepperoni, and you take your your egg whites and you make kind of like a mini pizza in your pan. And then you put your pizza sauce, your mozzarella, your toppings in there. You let it cook up a little bit. Add a lot of seasoning though, a lot of salt, a lot of oregano, a lot of Italian seasonings because that egg whites isn't going to have that pizza crust flavor. You let it crisp up a little bit. And you can either take it out flat like a pizza, but it's going to be a little flimsy because it's egg whites, 
or you flip it over, you kind of got like a little egg white pizza quesadilla. That's one of my favorites too. It's pretty high on protein. Calories are a lot lower and lower on carbs as well. There you go. All the flavor, none of the guilt of the calories and the sugar. Well, Bruce, man, I, I really want to thank you for stopping by. We're going to be pivoting. So just for the listeners that listens to all the, the content here at the DWZ, uh, we're not too far away from shifting to where we'll be doing Mock Draft Monday, where Jerry and I will be hosting. Maybe we can get lucky and get Bruce to come back and do a rookie oh, yeah. Mock Draft with us. We'll be doing it live on YouTube. We'll, uh, we'll have the screen pulled up. We'll have it up on Sleeper. You can watch along with us. We'll be doing Superflex, 1QB, tight end premium, no IDP, because it's that gets weird. But we'll, we'll be <laughs> doing all kinds of mock drafts. But, Bruce, man, I want to make sure that these people check you out at Metric Scout on Twitter. You can mm-hmm. find his work at the DLF and, most importantly, that YouTube channel. And, you know, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. Uh, that's our community. That's where we're doing premium content, helping people build rosters. Um, we're sponsored by Hate Brand Goods. That's our athletic apparel sponsor. You see me wearing their shorts in the gym if you're following me on Instagram at Memphis185. But besides all of that, if, if, if you're not in a position, you know, because the economy is what it is, uh, if you're not in a position to support, it, nothing goes further than just going over to old YouTube clicking that like button, clicking that subscribe button, leaving a comment, watching a six-minute video, and, you know, give us that interaction. It's totally free, and it's a great way to support both the Dynasty Warzone and the Metric Scout YouTube page. Bruce, my man, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Well, listen, I'm going to get up out of here. I'm going to get Bruce out of here. But on behalf of that man, again, his name is Bruce Matson. You can find him on Twitter at Metric Scout. My name is Memphis. You can find me at DWZ Memphis. You can find this show everywhere at Dynasty Warzone. And remember, here at the Dynasty Warzone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you back here next week for another show. Thanks, guys. It's Hate Brand Goods. That's uh, my company. That is what we've started. I hope you guys have checked it out. If you want to go over to the hate.com hate for me means it's about self-improvement. It's this self-motivation through self-loathing this, this bit of loathing of not tolerating your own bullshit, that little voice that says today's good enough or what we did's fine, or no one's going to know that I'm taking today off. Like, fuck all that, man. I know like I hold that standard. I'm accountable to me. And that's it. That's why I chase goals. I do it because of me. I don't do it because of what someone else is going to think of it or what someone else's approval is. And it's about holding yourself to that. The rest of that motivation can fade, but as long as you're in control of being able to make you do the shit you want to do, you're golden, man. So head over to the hate.com, use code and save yourself some cash. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak